So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our panel. And uh, the title of the panel is the Industry Challenges and the Roadmap Ahead, Geopolitical, Regulatory and Market Developments. And I think it's a very good timing. We just heard uh, the IMO Secretary General who gave his keynote speech. And uh, we have the privilege to have in our panel uh, worldwide representation of all owners uh, and uh, a very short introduction of them uh, with no particular order. We have Mr. Panos Lascaridis, who is a CEO of Lavinia and also uh, president of EXA, the European Community of Ship Owners Association. We have uh, Mr. Nicolas Tsakos, who is the chairman of Intercargo, Intertanko. Uh, Mr. John Platsivakis, Chairman of Intercargo, and Mr. Anastasio Papagianopoulos, uh, who is uh, the Chairman of BIMCO. And by the way, they are all Greeks. How come, somebody would say. Let me put the scene. Let me set the scene. Maritime is a well-regulated industry where a plethora of new and revised Retroactive rules are implemented every single year. Most of the above regulations impose measures which cost, and actually sometimes cost a lot to the maritime stakeholders, particularly to the ship owners who usually absorb the relevant investment. In numerous occasions, the ship owners, through their representatives, have expressed their commitment to the maritime principles of protection of human life and the environment. However, they have also expressed their dissatisfaction on the way of implementation. In other words, the goal seems to be agreed, seems to be the same, however, the path is becoming more and more unclear, especially for ship owners which are faced with dilemmas of millions of dollars and there is no expert in the world who can tell them if A, B, or C solution is a sustainable one. Last few years, the maritime community witnessed the tsunami of environmental regulations and correlated challenges. Starting with the Ballast Water Management Convention that was introduced in 2004, but only recently came in force, and only last year the industry got clarity on the actual implementation. Now we have a deadline for switching to low sulfur, marine fuel, which is approaching fast. The number of questions and concerns among operators are increasingly and in, are increasing in unforeseen rate, together with confusion. While IMO, as stated by the General Secretary just a while ago, confirmed it is sticking to January 1st, 2020. Just as an example of the confusion in place, I will just quote to you two things I got from the press. A senior executive of a major oil producer stated that there is no need to delay the proposed implementation of the new marine sulfur emission norms beyond 2020, as the refining industry has the ability to go through the change. But surprisingly, as per survey conducted by Bankerspot recently, 
A global survey among refiners indicated that 85% of them do not yet have planned to cope with 2020 sulfur cap. Finally, and after the last MEPC, the industry is now having new greenhouse emission targets, which in the mid to long term will require heavy technological innovation. In the end, all problems are solved by price. However, there is a need to distribute relative cost in a fair way to all maritime stakeholders and not to the shoulders of the end consumer only. As a final touch, just to make things even more complicated, the uh, Trump administration just uh, recently announced the seize of the waivers to the sanctions of Iran. So, let me start with the questions to our panelists. And I will uh, start uh, with Mr. Panos Laskaridis. Mr. Laskaridis, taking into consideration the upcoming 1st of January 2020 deadline, plus the new greenhouse gases targets and the fact that just recently the EU policymakers seem aligned with ambitious environmental developments concerning decarbonization that was recently confirmed by the EU budget. What are the main concerns for European ship owners and what is the strategy that should be followed? Yanni, thank you very much. <clears throat> As I advised you earlier, you will ask me a question, but I will answer something different. Uh, first of all, I think we are all very happy today because once again you have the chance to listen to the three musketeers who are actually four, as we all know, and I'm sure that you will draw much benefit from the comments which you will hear in a minute from my learned friends. Now, the Secretary General has put the scene quite eloquently and has guided us on what are the upcoming challenges looking forward, especially in the environmental scene. I would very quickly like to state what from the European side are considered the main challenges going forward. Um, I will take them not by, by order of inverse, perhaps, priority. One of the main challenges is what will happen and how shipping will develop in terms of the ongoing and oncoming digitalization. You read and we read and hear a lot about this issue. Another important challenge with which we have to, uh, we have to deal with going forward is what we call the social agenda, namely what happens with our, our seafarers, especially the European seafarers and how far we can count on European seafarers going forward. The third one being what we call the European single window. This is simply the simplification and streamlining of all the complicated procedures across the transport chain, starting from the, the shipper, the ship, the terminal, the port, the receivers. All this is a mixture of complicated documents in different languages, and this needs to be simplified. There are some, there are some initiatives already in the European Union by way of certain development of directives, of European directives. And the last two and probably most important challenges going forward in strategic terms are on one side the environmental issues and on the other side the competitiveness of the European fleet. Let me 
quickly, very quickly deal with those in turn. The competitiveness of the European fleet is extremely important. Why is it extremely important? And I'm talking here about the European long distance deep water fleet, the Trump ships, which, as we all know, constitute some 75 and more percent of the total European shipping. Well, imagine that Europe today has no collective and uniform diplomatic or foreign policy, it has no coherent military policy, it has no coherent and unified financial or economic policy, it has nothing. And as is usual with somebody who has nothing, it is nothing. The only real, valuable, important, strategic asset it has is its merchant fleet. Its merchant fleet which carries 40% of the world's trade. And imagine what would have happened if this fleet were not to exist or to have emigrated somewhere else. So, the merchant fleet, the Trump fleet, the deep water fleet is Europe's main and most important strategic asset. Secondly, on the environmental front, we have the challenges. One is the sulfur challenge, which the General Secretary has very ably and correctly guided us. The matter of the CO2 is a different issue. There we have the result of the plenary of the MEPC 72. We have to abide by this and we have to support and push this through. Unfortunately, on the European scene, we will see the Parliament and politicians pushing for even more aggressive measures, but quite frankly, either we stick to what we have agreed or we will end up in a political quickmere and a political fighting whereby some people who think they are more progressive than others will try to outjump and, and, and gun, start gun, start jump the decisions of the IMO. We don't want this. Because of the last two things which I've mentioned, competitiveness of the European fleet and the importance of the environmental issues, we want to ask the European politicians to stop denigrating shipping, to stop pointing fingers at shipping, and to stand behind shipping, respect shipping, support shipping, because after all, as I've just mentioned, it is Europe's most important international asset. Thank you. Mr. Laskaevis, thank you very much for taking it your way, as usual. And uh, let me address uh, a second question to Mr. Papagianopoulos. Uh, we have seen that the major stakeholders, as U.S., are claiming that they will leave the Paris Convention climate agreement, while Japan claims that industry is ready for the challenge. And uh, we see generally very different approaches. The target for reducing CO2 emissions, as per latest MEPC, is to reduce the absolute greenhouse gases emissions by 50% compared to 2008 baseline. How realistic is the objective and what challenges of differing opinions might emerge from different IMO members? Uh, thank you. <clears throat> uh, first of all, we have to clear a misunderstanding. There is a general impression that the people, that the people uh, 
uh, in uh, shipping and the major organizations try to avoid their due on the environmental regulations. This is not correct. It's absolutely wrong because we, we have all the major, all the, all the organizations of the round table have accepted that uh, have accepted uh, the, that uh, the, this problem has to be tackled, the problem of the, of, the, of the pollution, and also they have put forward very, very, very uh, um, uh, important strategic targets for 2050 and earlier. So um, and there, is no, there is no attempt to avoid, to avoid the implementation of the regulations of the IMO. Secondly, uh, we in BIMCO, we have set as our strategic target to, uh, to help the implementation of the regulations. Now, uh, since these uh, regulations have a very long, uh, a very long uh, let's say, profile, time profile, uh, we have to take into account very, a, lot of, a lot of parameters who will affect the final result. Uh, but uh, we consider that the, two, uh, that the 2050 uh, re targets can be met. Uh, of course, we don't know about the, the improvements in technology. We don't know the growth of the, of the global GDP and the world trade. And uh, we don't know exactly a lot of other parameters, for example, protectionism and these sort of things. Therefore, uh, there is, we, we can express clearly our commitment to meet the targets. We consider a lot of, a lot of measures and we, we will eventually, with consensus, choose the most realistic and the best for the attainment of, of the targets. Now, uh, I'm quite optimistic that um, uh, the countries who will not agree with, with, with these targets will not have the, uh, the capacity and, and the means to, to abstain from generalized regulations uh, promote, promulgated and uh, Prom um, uh, stipulated and promoted by uh, the IMO and, the, uh, and, and its members. Uh, because there is, there is the principle of non-discrimination and of no, uh, of no more favorable treatment, which eventually, eventually as it has always happened historically in trade, prevail and uh, will, will, will lead us to uh, to, to, to a very clearly uh, a, a plain a plain a, a plain um, a, a, a very a level a level a level, a level uh, played field. So uh, in general, I'm optimistic. I don't think that we are going to have problems, uh, strategic problems, and uh, I believe very much that the shipping community has decide, have decided, all of, all of the participants in the shipping community are committed to meet the targets and to improve the pollution, the, 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 the footprint of the pollution in, in, in the seas.
Thank you very much. So let's go to our third panelist, uh, Mr. Nikos Tsakos. Mr. Tsakos, uh, are we going to see increased scrapping now in light of 2020? Are ship owners going to run for scrubbers? Are they going to take advantage of the very low shipbuilding prices? Uh, how long do you foresee the upcoming turmoil period to last? Is the recent Trump administration decision in Iran going to change this picture, especially for tankers? A lot of market uh, questions, uh, Mr. Tsakos. We're looking forward for your, for your wisdom. Thank you, Yanni. And, and with the name as Hyotopoulos, I'm sure you're from the good island of Hios. So I will take up the task of uh, answering uh, yeah, very interesting questions. I will start from, uh, I think, uh, let's say, sa sanctions and protectionism, uh, including tariffs, are not good for shipping. Uh, shipping flourishes under open seas, uh, the open seas environment. So whatever keeps trading uh, and stops trading, uh, we look at it in a very negative way. I think it might have more of a negative effect uh, for dry cargo and container vessels. Uh, all these uh, sanctions that are rumored coming out of the United States. In, in tankers, there might be a silver lining because uh, sometimes uh, you find another region to produce the oil, so you might get some more ton miles. And let's not forget in 2014-15, when the sanctions were still around, the market, the market was much, much better than today. So, you know, we always try to find a, a silver lining, but I believe that, uh, uh, yeah, and, and we hope that these sanctions are not going to uh, bite in, in, in an already very, very uh, weak uh, market. Uh, then I think you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that the ship owners are running for scrubbers. First of all, most of us, we are too old and too fat to run. So I think for sure we are not running for, uh, for, for, uh, for scrubbers. Uh, and then there are not enough scrubbers for us to run for. I think there is a, a limited production of, uh, of scrubber technology and, uh, you know, running after it, it will only inflate the prices. Uh, what scrubbers remind me is of uh, first-generation experimental medical drugs. They provide a short-term relief uh, for the patient, but they kill you from the side effect. So I think this is, um, we would not like to be as ship owners guinea pigs uh, for, uh, for experimental uh, drugs if we know that the real cure is around the corner. Uh, all we have to do for the real cure is for, uh, as we call it, uh, big medicine, uh, to invest a small part of its huge profits to, produ to produce uh, the real cure for the environment which means to produce 0.5 uh, distillates for us to use on, on our ships without having to make our ships uh, small refineries. I believe ship owners, we have been uh, guinea pigs for a very long period of time for all sorts of experimental legislation, and this time I, I don't see anybody really uh, running for that. Uh, you mentioned scrapping. 
I believe we will see more scrapping, but I believe this time the scrapping will be more, not so much from the scrubber technology, but uh, from the water ballast technology. So older ships might not want to invest so much into uh, going into the water ballast treatment. And uh, I do not believe that new building prices are cheap. I believe that they're still pricey because the price of a new building has to do with uh, the average earning capacity of an asset over, over uh, its lifespan. So I think uh, we are still, uh, we try to avoid new buildings, uh, try avoid running, and I think do more, uh, perhaps, uh, slow steaming. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Chakos. And uh, let's go to Mr. Platsivakis. Uh, Mr. Platsivakis, the previous stated uh, geopolitical and uh, regulatory landscape will have probably very big consequences in shipping, which, by the way, remains the most efficient means of transport carrying around 90% of world trade. How are likely to impact the daily operations of operators from both financial and technical point of view? What countermeasures, practical, if any, can there be there? Thank you, Mr. Yatopoulos. First of all, before uh, uh, I answer your question, I would like to make a statement, and I think it's a statement of all the three colleagues of mine here. Whatever we say, uh, we are hugely supportive of the work done at IMO. IMO there is no IMO does not have a substitute. And if it didn't exist, we had to invent it. And also, I would like to thank on behalf of everybody from the associations, uh, the Secretary General, for the excellent work, for the very efficient, very diplomatic, and very balanced way he's addressing the various opinions as expressed by the various uh, states uh, at IMO. Thank you very much indeed. When you invest in shipping, you invest on uncertainty because you try to read the future. You try to read the market value of the asset, the status of the, of the, of the freight market, political, geopolitical, economic parameters, you name it, because all of them uh, together affect the, the performance of world Trump shipping. My personal concern is not the status of the market in the future, is mostly what comes next in terms of regulations. As it was uh, said by my friend Datas Papayanopoulos, we are not afraid of regulations as long as they are pragmatic and reasonable. My concern, therefore, is on what is happening on new regulations which come to be out of touch. And with your permission, I spent some spare time on Saturday morning trying to put some thoughts of mine in perspective and in summary in order to present them to you today. Today, shipping is mostly affected by three topics, regulatory topics. It's the Ballast Water Management Treaty, and I fully agree with uh, Mr. Chakos that, uh, my opinion, it will result to more scrapping because ballast water installation is a cost of the owner. Therefore, it will be a consideration of the value of the ship and the age of the ship at the time that you have to make a decision. 
So eventually, I think some ships will have to go for scrap. Before closing this subject, I would like to bring to your attention the fact that the Ballast Water Management Treaty was first decided in, in April 2004, and it was implemented, as you know, in September 2017, some 13 years later. And even in 2017, technology was struggling to come to terms with the regulation. And my question actually is, so in 2004, 13 years er earlier, on which grounds was this treaty decided? I think this is something to be addressed in the future. Um, still, on Balance Water Management Treaty, we as bulk carrier operators have our concerns uh, regarding the ballast water uh, treatment, as you know, the, uh, the, low, the low gravity uh, discharge. We have some uh, serious questions. We have raised them to committees at IMO, and we are all ears to listen to how the, we, we can address them. Moving on to 0.5 sulfur, which is coming up in force in January 2020. This is fine, but Will there be adequate supply of that? We don't know. And actually, nobody knows. Nevertheless, the member states of IMO decided that this is the date. And it has been clearly stated that there will be no change. And I would like to ask everybody that participated in this voting process. Has the IMO, the member states, received the refiner's commitment or even an undertaking that they will make it available then? No, none of them has committed or even undertaken that they will do so. Nevertheless, the blame is on the owners to go and find it. I regret to say, but many times we tend to put the wagon in front of the, car, of the, of the horse. The reason being, to my understanding, that if you press the refineries, the, there is a political cost. While if you do so on Trump shipping, there is none. Because Trump shipping seems to be almost stateless. And the political, uh, sorry, the, the political value or the political weight of uh, Trump shipping is very low. And it's unfair, I think, that the consumers at the end of the day, because everything ends up there, are either ignorant or indifferent to come to know the contribution of the very efficient shipping market to their very standards of living. They don't know that, and this is hugely regrettable. Going back to the point five, you know, it is the charterers, the ones who at the end of the day will have to provide the ships with the appropriate bankers. But so far, we have heard so little from them. What about our concern for the mingling of bankers as substitute of straight 0.5 sulfur? We have raised our concerns, all associations, to the regulators and have clearly stated that vessels, their crews and their cargoes, and by extension the environment, could be at risk. Is anybody listening and caring? 
remains to be proven. On CO2, the third topic, personally, I was very impressed by the bargain process that took place at IMO regarding the percentage of reduction and the date that it will be uh, determined. Should it be 40%, 50%, 60%, at what time? And finally, it was decided 50% by 2050. Possibly long enough to remember, I would say. As mathematician by first degree, I was taught that when you have to solve a problem, you have to analyze the problem to determine the various parameters and then to proceed with the synthesis in order to come to the conclusion and the, and the solution. Regarding the CO2 production, I, I, I tend to use an example to third parties unrelated to shipping because when they blame shipping I have to for the CO2 production and the damage to the environment I have to be very simplistic so I think I've raised it in the past I tend to use the example when somebody rents a car from a rental company for a week the first example is that he decides to put it outside the, the, the office of the, of the company. It doesn't use it at all for a week, and then he gives it back. Where is the CO2? There's nothing produced. To the contrary, somebody else gets the same car for one week, and he speeds around the city in huge, very high speed, okay? and he produces masses of CO2. Is this the rental company to blame or the user of the, of the car? In this example, the car is the ship, and the user of the, of the car is the charterer. It's not the car by itself. Okay. So that's why I would say that we have to stand up and try to explain to the world, to regulators, especially to the voters, to the consumers, what is the real issue here. As ship owners, I want to say that we are ready to buy shipyards, uh, ships, sorry, which are constructed by shipyards, not by ship owners, and engines, which are produced by engine manufacturers, not by ship owners, which provide a better environmental footprint, not only because we are strong believers and supporters of the protection of the environment, but because we have to meet the worldwide fierce competition. So we're asking the providers of the asset, engine, the ships, to come up with a better solution, and we will be the first ones to adopt it. The ship's trading pattern, i.e. whether they should go from port A to port B and at which speed, are determined and dictated by the charterers who are responding, responding to the demands of world trade. Therefore, CO2 production is determined by the distance traveled and the speed, which are not decided by the ships and their owners. Concluding, putting the blame on the ships, while all other parties are excluded, will take us no nowhere and to back to square one and result to the loss of valuable time. We want transparent, well-analyzed, and well-synthesized regulations which set achievable and realistic targets. 
There is no excuse to say it was a political decision, implying it is not in touch with reality. Thank you very much. Mr. Plasidakis, uh, thank you very much. Can I address now the panel to all of the panelists and uh, can you give us addressing uh, the ship-owning community, which a lot of them are present today here, one simple advice. What should they do? What is your advice to the ship-owning community? Have you got something to give? Mr. Lascaridis? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's not a $64,000 question. How can we give a single advice to the ship owners community? You mean now in terms of the environmental challenges or generally? No, it's, uh, it's addressed generally. Well, my advice would be to wait for a very good and strong market, then sell out, take the money and run. Mr. Papagianopoulos? Uh, there is a Chinese, uh, a Chinese proverb. When things are good, when things are bad, don't, you, don't lose your soul. When things are, are good, don't lose your mind. Good. Mr. Tsakos. Well, in, in order to achieve Mr. Lascaridis' goal, my advice would be to stop ordering new buildings, then the market will be good, and then whoever wants to sell, uh, and we can uh, all go fishing, as they said. Thank you. And to conclude, Mr. Platsivakis. Stick to it. Remain to it. It's a beautiful industry. It's dynamic. It's uh, highly challenging. And... Uh, there is no substitute for shipping, no matter what, no matter how technology will enhance, shipping will remain, possibly with some changes, but mostly in the same. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your attendance. Yes, Mr. Lascaridis, please. Pre press your mic, please. Just for one very short last comment on the environmental issues. These are extremely important and they are going to occupy our minds um, very, very intensively over the coming years. And I know that many of us share the following concern. We, have, we are people who deal with ships and we know the shipping and most of the people here belong to this category, and the problem is we have a bunch of people who know what they are talking about, trying to talk and convince a bunch of people who don't know what they are talking about. And by this I refer to the environmentalists who have all noble intentions in the world, the politicians who have also all noble intentions, the regulators, and, and all these people. So the difficulty is the difficulty is that we know what we are talking about and they don't know what they are talking about. Secondly, a lot of this is politically motivated and because it is politically motivated, 
it tends to use promises which simply are not realistic. And if somebody today promises to you that we will reduce that we will reduce emissions by the year 2050 by 50 percent by improving propellers and hull forms and engines, then he does not know what he is talking about. One thing is for sure, there is not going to be a reduction of these percentages of the CO2 and the greenhouse gases unless we go to a carbon-free fuel. With carbon fuels, we will never achieve these reductions. It is important that we understand this, because then we can understand also the promises of the politicians. So we need carbon-free fuels. Without them, we will not be able to achieve this. In the meantime, because the IMO recent decision does not only speak about 2050, it also speaks about interim measures aggressive and ambitious interim measures. We have to consider also operational measures. And when we speak about operational measures, this is simply another word for speed optimization, and speed optimization is simply another word for speed reduction. I know this is a hotly contested topic, but it must enter squarely into the discussion around these issues. Thank you very much. Oh. Yes, I think we, we, Mr. Prokopiu wants to say some words. Yes. Oh. Mr. Prokopiu. Mr. Prokopiu. I'm very happy and honored to address in this fantastic gathering. My uh, panel is the next one, but unfortunately, I, there is not yet a specific uh, zero copy, uh, Xerox copy machine because I have to be simultaneously in Nyarkos uh, uh, building for another presentation. So, since I heard all these very ambitious talks, I'll speak a plain language of a worker of the sea, which I consider myself. All of us, we definitely need cleaner ships. We definitely need cleaner cars. We definitely need cleaner factories and nobody can object on that. I forgo the fact that shipping does its job by the lesser uh, pollution per ton transported. And all of us, we know that globalization is implemented by shipping. We buy goods and uh, raw materials uh, from ev everywhere with only guidance, quality, and price as, as transportation cost is negligible. This is the efficiency of shipping. 
But now let's come to practical ideas and practical uh, steps that I'm very happy that uh, my friend, Aimo General Secretary, is here and he's listening as he was two years ago about the ballast water treatment. And, and thank you very much on behalf of the owners for your brave decision on this respect. Now on the table, we have three solutions. Scrubbers, low sulfur fuels, and speed reduction. For the general uh, public and people that uh, are here, I believe that the, the first thing and the most important is pollution not to be created. The second is where we dispose it. So with scrubbers, we take it from the air and we put it in the sea. Simplistic sounds, but this is the reality. With uh, scrubbers to be installed, the pollution that you need in order to manufacture the scrubbers and install the scrubbers and amortize this pollution on all, all, old ships by the savings that you might make takes several years, which might exceed the useful remaining life of the ship. With slow speed, immediately, we have reduction of the per mile created pollution. This is not created. So I wonder, all these uh, vested interests that they need and they talk about all these complicated and not tested uh, uh, methods, why they insist so much when, on the other hand, from tomorrow morning, we can have 50% reduction of pollution by reducing the speed. And the ones that they want to, 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 to go fast, they can do so by paying to the, the green fund in order to clean the pollution that they are creating. And in order to be fair, we have cal to calculate each and every engine what pollution is created above the desired limit. So this is something that I wonder why it takes so long to understand because we are not manufacturers of scrubbers, we are not manufacturers of uh, pipes, we, are not we don't have shipyards that they can install, so we have a very little voice. So our voice, we are the taxi drivers of the world. We are only on cross trades. We, are not, we don't have governmental subsidies, we don't have cargo preferences, we are alone. But we have managed to offer the most reliable and quality service on the best cost available. Why we don't ask the, the truck drivers to improve their engines and not to create pollution? This is a task of the engine makers and the shipyards. It's not for the owner. And we have to be brave enough not to burden the ship that is not meeting half of the running cost in our market with additional expenditure and with doubtful result. Nobody knows the result, and this scrubbers is just to pollute the sea and to go to the fish where we eat. I don't understand what is going on. Thank you. So, uh, as far as uh, 
the next, uh, uh, if you, I can stay five minutes. If, thank you. Sorry. Eh? Thank you. <laughs> and I, thank you all for a very interesting panel. Thank you.